listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. Had a guy call me this week. He said, man, what's in the box? I was like, what you mean what's in the box? He was like, that video at church, man, what's in the box? I was like, you got to come Sunday to find out. And when you find out what's in the box today, you're going to wish you didn't come to church this morning. But it's going to be a good day. Um, before we get started, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father God, we just come to you right now thanking you, Lord, um, just for the opportunity to come and, Lord, to be in your house. God, I just pray that you would just, uh, Lord, you would just allow us right now to just uh, to let go. God, let go of uh, the busyness of getting here. Um, let go of just uh, the, the rush of checking in kids and and the rush of just trying to come in. And God, I just pray that you would just help us right now. Lord, calm us, Lord. Calm us, God, so that we can focus on you. Lord, I just pray for today, Lord, that, that you would really just move in our hearts, God. Lord, if you've been crushing me this week, I, I just pray, Father, that, that, uh, that you would just speak through me, God. Lord, get me out of the way. Lord, whatever, you've, whatever I have, Lord, I pray, God, that it would be your will and what you want. And, Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would just speak to our hearts. Help us leave here different. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, the whole idea of this Dark Corners series is the idea that all of us have secrets. Whether you want to admit it, we all have secrets. We are, there's, all, there's, there's dark places in our heart. It, it's, as holy as you may think you are, there's still some places in your heart that you really haven't given to God and that you think nobody knows. And I don't know why we think that we can hide things from God because he knows everything, amen? amen. But there's things that we don't, a lot of times we don't give to God. We, we try to hold up, we try to pretend that, that just because uh, we put this facade on, we, we dress the part, we, we may read our Bibles and all these things, but God doesn't want a piece of your heart. He wants all of it. And if there's anything in your heart that doesn't please God, he won't, He's going to shine light on that. So I don't know why we think we have to hide it. I don't think we have to... That's a great illustration because that's how a lot of us are. We're, we've got these things and, and we're... We don't want to give it to God. We want to come and enjoy it so, to satisfy us. But then all of a sudden when somebody, the door opens and somebody sees us, we're ashamed. There's hurt. There's guilt. And if it would have been dealt with a long time ago, we'd be in a lot better shape. We wouldn't hurt as many people as we've hurt over the years. I want to just give a disclaimer. This, this series isn't to elevate any sin among anything else. A lot of times when we focus on certain things, some people think, well, this sin is more important than this sin. In God's eyes, sin is sin. If you've done one thing, you've broken the law, you're, 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 just, you're bad in God's eyes. And the thing is, is, it's all equal. But what I want to do today, though, is, is if we talk about a particular type of sin, that a lot of people struggle with. We just want to speak into the secret hidden places in your heart. And I want you to open your heart up today and say, you know, is that me? If I, do I have that hidden in my heart? And do I need and allow God to shed light on it so you can walk in freedom of that today? See, things that we try to hide, it holds us captive. There's sin that, 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 that we keep inside of us, it holds us captive, and a lot of times it hinders our growth. 
So we got to, that's so important today that we allow God to deal with this. Um, today, this week, what we've done is, is we've, uh, we've got every week there'll be, if you'll look on our news feed, look on our Instagram account, Facebook, we're going to have a weekly um, every day, there'll be a daily Bible, Bible uh, devotion that goes along with each series that goes through. So if you're struggling in a certain area and you need some additional information, check those things out throughout the week. We want to help you as, it, as light gets shined on. We don't want to just shine the light on and leave it alone. We want to help walk with you through this so that you can get this out of your life. So y'all with me this morning? Amen. Everybody smile? That might be the last time you smile today. I'm playing. So, so this week, we're talking about sexual sin. And right now, some of you are like, I knew I shouldn't have came this morning. But there's something I think that in our church culture we live in right now, and in the culture we live in, it's something that is trivial to most people. Sex is no longer sacred. It's, it's no longer something that there's, there's between a man and a woman. Our culture is, has almost made it like an extracurricular activity. You know, you got football, baseball, and then you got sex. And, and, and that's how it seems. And it seems that to, to people just think it's just something you do. It's not, it's not anything special. And you look at our culture and how it's just begin. Look, it's falling apart. As I look at that, I mean, I, I see how our view on sex show it messes up our life. It messes up our tra- the trajectory of our life. It, it messes with our relationships. And if you don't think our culture right now has a problem with sex, we got people that don't even know which bathroom they need to go in. And, and, and it's, 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 it all stems from the same thing. It all starts in, in the same thing. They got a hidden thing in their life that they're not dealing with because they want to enjoy that and they don't want to give that to God. So in, I'm, I'm going to try my best to be as tactful as I can, but I'm going to be as real as I can. As we talk about this, you know, I think we need to realize that sex is a sacred thing that God created. I mean, God, God created and it, is, and it is good in the context of marriage. And that is the only place that God intended it to be. Amen? It's the only place. And so anything outside of that is wrong in God's eyes. Y'all agree with me on that? So, so, so lust. I'm going to list some stuff. I'm going to list everything. But, you know, lust, coveting. Somebody else. Your desires, having, having wrong sexual desires. Fantasies, adultery, premarital sex, homosexuality. All these different things are just perversions, and it starts, it starts with a little small seed. And if it's not dealt with, it can, it'll grow out of control. And I've seen it in so many people's lives that where we're not dealt with properly, it'll ruin a marriage, it'll ruin a family. It'll ruin your reputation. See, it's not, it, not, it, only does, it only affects you emotionally, but it affects you mentally. When you have the wrong idea, the wrong view of sex, you pursue things that you shouldn't pursue, and you think it's okay. Because when, when your life is all about sex, when, and that, when that is one of those things that it's all about you gratifying yourself, the thing, what happens is, is you're serving your desire instead of serving God. And when you start serving your desire more than you serve God, it's gonna, God's going to let you go as far as you want to go because he's not going to compete with that. And as Christians, this is, today this message is primarily for Christians. 
Because the church today is so impure because there's so many people. Number one, you're faking, you're not a Christian, and you're, indul you're indulging in sex, and you don't think that it's wrong what you're doing because you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have any conviction. Or number two, you've been telling the Holy Spirit, not right now, not right now for so long, that you have hardened your heart toward this. There's a many, many of many good man and good woman that I thought was a godly man and woman that they allowed this to overrule their life. And it ruined them. It ruined them. And I know some of you are thinking right now, he ain't talking about me. He ain't talking about me. But I could be. See, I think when I got to thinking about this this week and how I was going to approach it, that Paul was writing to the church of, in, in Corinth and the church in Thessalonica. He was writing to those churches. They were new church plants. They were new churches. They were new believers. And I noticed that's what he always addressed with these new believers. He said, hey, he addressed making sure they don't live a sexual immoral life because he knows that sexual immorality begins when you start dealing with that. It starts taking you far away from God. It starts pulling you away from God. So today I want to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, I hope you have one. If you don't have one, there's one in the next steps table that we can give you. And it'll be on the screen as well. First Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. It says, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instruct you how to live in order to please God. As in fact, you are living now. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you, will, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that is in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister the Lord will punish all who commit such sins. And we, as we told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives us his Holy Spirit. When I read that this week, it was kind of sobering. I began to think about, you know, how do we get off? How, how, how do we get off? And I'm not saying y'all, I'm saying we, because I think in anybody's walk with God, you have to come to terms with, if, are you going to allow sexual immorality to, to control your life or not? And by your quietness, that was an amen. But I'm saying, to, if you're here today, and you decide to follow Jesus, the way you react to, to sexual desires really shows what has your heart. It really shows what has your heart. If we yield to those things, it says we love this more than we love God. And I know we don't want to look at it that way, but that is what it says. It's telling God, God, I'd rather have this than have you. This is worth more than you. And that's not the God I serve, because there's nothing worth replacing God over. Amen? 
So we allow, we, we allow our culture to infect us. We watch TV and it's in everything and it's made culturally acceptable. You listen to the radio and it's in every song. I knew it was bad when, when, when every country song starts talking about sex. I was like, man, this is getting tough. It's in everything. It's in, it's in everything we look at on TV. I mean, it's, it's everything. So we're looking, we're, we're bombarded by it every single day. So if we're not holding firm, if we're not focusing on God, we're going to allow the world to infect us. We're going to say, you know what? That's not as bad as it says. That's not as bad as I think it is. I, I think I can, I, can do, I can go just a little bit. And what we start doing is there's a line in the sand and we just start taking one step. And we're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. You know, God didn't strike me down. I'm, I'm still alive. We, we take another step. And before we know it, we're so far from God and we don't even realize it. It's a slow fade. It don't happen all at once. It's the little compromises that we make. It turns in, and it's one by one by one by one. It's kind of like how you eat an elephant, one bite at a time. So as you, as you take small steps in a direction that don't please God, next thing you know, you're so far from God that it's hard to see your way back. And that's what sexual sin does. What Paul's telling him in 1 Thessalonians, he's telling him, look, you need to live in a way that's pleasing to God. Am I right? We should live a way that pleases God, Amen. We should please God. Our life should show him that we are following him, everything we do. So he's saying, look, in verse 2, he says, look, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of Jesus Christ. So he's saying, look, if, if you are living in a way, if you say you are a follower of Christ, then you're going to live and obey Jesus, right? You're going to live and obey his teachings. You're going to do what he says do if we truly are a follower of Christ. It didn't say obey what you want. It didn't say obey what makes you comfortable. It says obey. That means everything. Y'all with me? I'm going to keep you reeled in this morning because y'all be drifting off on me. But the thing is, that's what he's saying. He's saying, look, we need, we need to make sure if you are truly a follower of Christ, then you need to live under authority of Jesus. See, sex... In the outside of the realm of marriage, it hinders our growth. You can't grow into the likeness of Jesus if you're not really following Jesus. And that's what Paul's saying in verse 3. He said, look, it's God's will that you should be sanctified. And then the next thing he says, that you should avoid sexual immorality. I mean, I think it's important to realize that he named sexual immorality first. He didn't name greed. He didn't name other sins. He's seen that as a problem in the church. He's saying, look, if we're going to be sanctified, if we're going to be God's church, if we're going to grow into the likeness of Christ, then he's not talking about just me. He's talking about all of us in this building. We need to be, we need to be just really just focused on following Christ in this area in our life. So sexual immorality, our misperception of sex, hinders us from growing closer to God. So he's saying, look, if we're going to grow, then we can't allow this to stay in a dark, hidden spot. I've, I've seen people that, that think that, that, look, I'm going to read some stories in just a minute of some people in our church and in other campuses, of some testimonies of some people. They didn't feel comfortable with getting on video, but they sent their testimony out, and I'm going to read it and tell you some things. But look, we've got a wrong perception on sex. It'll ruin our marriage. It'll ruin our witness. It costs us so much, guys. I've seen it cost marriages. I've seen it cause regret. I've seen it 
there, there can't be any forgiveness. Like, there's somebody that they've wronged, that there's no forgiveness given, and they walk in that regret their whole life. I mean, it really destroys people. But what it does, also emotionally, it destroys us mentally because we think that, okay, all right, I, I got by with this, so I can do that. It opens the door for us to feel like we can do any other thing we want to do. For, any other thing that doesn't please God, we can do those things. Every friend that I know, every friend that I know that struggled with sexual immorality, if he did not slay that sin, if he didn't have people come alongside him and help him slay that sin, if he kept it hidden five or six years down the road, it made, it made itself known in a way that ruined his witness, that ruined his family, and that caused him shame. Any sin that we want to hide will eventually come to life. I remember my granny, I remember her saying this, you know, anything you do in secret eventually come to light. She told me that, and that stuck with me my whole life. But that's so, so true. No matter what we try to hide, it's eventually going to come out. When I think about how, how we're supposed to grow in Christ-likeness, in order to grow and pursue our sanctification, like I said, one of the tremendous roadblocks is, is, is sexuality. So if that's something you need to check yourself with this morning. If you've gotten, if you're gotten saved and you're not growing closer to Christ, then what's blocking you? What's stopping you? What's holding you from growing even more? Maybe it's, maybe it's a relationship that you got, that you're, you're, in, you're in a sexual relationship with somebody, but you're coming to church every week, and it's like, you know what, I'm not growing anymore because there's a roadblock there. God's saying, look, I mean, it's not, it's not saying if you want to. He's saying, look, if you're, if you're engaging in sex outside of marriage, this is wrong, and I'm not pleased with you. We're not going to go closer to God if we're living against God's will. Amen? And I know this is hard stuff this morning, but I'm telling you, God wants us to be authentic, not fake. He wants people to truly love him. And when we truly love him, it shows by what we cut out our life. It shows what we cut out our life. When, when, me, when Sabrina and I started dating, this is a horrible example. But it just came to my mind, so I'm going to use it. Just, just say I was extremely popular, which I wasn't. I was a very homely looking boy. <laughs> so thank God Sabrina could see the potential I would grow into. When, uh, when I first came over to her house, her mama was like, does his mama and daddy feed him? I mean, my pockets would overlap. I mean, I'm telling you, I was poor. But just suppose I was this, uh, this stud muffin at, at this high school, and every girl was after me. Just suppose that was happening. And, and, and with that going on, I chose Sabrina. To choose her, guess what I had to do? I had to reject all this other opportunity around me. All these other women behind me, I had to reject them to, to pursue her. And it's the same thing with God. God doesn't want you to be adulterous. God doesn't want you to say, all right, God, I love you, but yet I want, I want sexual sin over here on the side. I, I want greed over here. No, he says, God, God's saying, look, if you love me and you want me, then, then you're going to pursue me and only me. Me and only me. How do we get that mixed up? of thinking that we can do anything we want to do but still say we're following God when we're not, we're not really pursuing him with our whole heart. we got these things we're trying to hide. How many marriages do you know of that, that, that a man and a woman were together, but yet one of them was unfaithful and they were trying to hide it, and they hid it, and they hid it, and they hid it, and then finally one day it came to light. What did it do? It wrecked it. 
It wrecks it families. It wrecks those things because they wasn't faithful. And God's saying, look, I want you to be faithful to me. So are you faithful to God? Or are you committing adultery with this sexual sin? And it's so easy to blame other people. I don't know how many men I'm saying, I've heard them say, well, let me tell you something. I, I lust, but uh, let me tell you, that girl needs to put some clothes on. That girl, you know, I've heard, I don't know how many old men I've heard say, you know, women these days, they dress in such a way that you just can't even imagine what they look like under their clothes anymore. I'm like, really? You just said that in public? Don't blame other people. They're blaming other people. They're blaming the way other people's dress because they can't control their eyes, because they can't control their thoughts. God's word says, hold every thought captive, amen? Hold it captive. If it doesn't please him, we should hold it captive. When, when Dallas and I, uh, he's going to kill me because I'm telling this, but when Dallas and I first started uh, meeting together, I, I, was, I was a new Christian. He was too. Lust was something I struggled with. And I told Dallas, I said, man, we just got to bounce. He was like, what? I said, we gotta, you got to bounce your eyes. Like if you see something that you, you think it's going to make you lust, you got to look the other way. It's a wonder people didn't think I had Tourette's. He was like... But, but I, I had the greatest intention because it's like, God, I love you. I want you to be my bride. I want you, so I don't want to look at nothing else that's going to pollute my version of you. So I'm just looking around. And, and it's one of the, y'all, y'all think that's silly, but in reality, that's, that's the only way I can stand strong. And if it, made, if it made me looking like I had Tourette's, then so be it. But that's what I had to do to make sure that I wasn't allowing those impure thoughts into my head. Because as soon as you let that seed in, it'll, it'll sprout root. And if you don't kill it, if you're not intentional about it, it'll end up ruining your life. I've got friends that started off with lust and it ended up, they allowed their lust to overtake them and they began to have sex with their girlfriends. And then as that began, they, they, they felt guilt because they were having sex outside of marriage. So they said, well, let me fix this. Let me get married. So they get married because of the wrong reasons and they get married and finally... After they've been married a little while, the sex stops, and they're like, well, you don't love me no more because that's why they got married. And then they get a divorce, and it's like, my life ruins. My life is ruined. Guess what? They do the same thing with the next girl. Next thing you know, they married four times and can't figure out what's wrong. It's because you've got the wrong idea. You're focusing on the wrong thing. If you get your life focused on God and listen to what he says, let me tell you something. Your relationships will work out. But we try to fix them our own way. So stop blaming other people and let's start looking at our own self, saying, God, is this me? Do I need to give you this this sin in my life? Verse 4, it goes on. It says, look, I back up in 3. It says, look, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in the passion not impassionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. So he's saying, look, it's important that, that you learn to control yourself. And we've all seen that couple that, that, that's at the fair that can't control themselves. Y'all laugh, y'all ain't, y'all, y'all act like y'all ain't seen them. Come on now. You're walking by, and I use the fair because you know crazy stuff happens at the fair. But it's like, you see that person and it's like, man, what's wrong with you in your public? Why are you doing that? Some people can't control themselves. And God's saying, look, 
He's saying we should be able to control ourselves. As we start following Christ, it's intentional. You have to start putting safeguards in, in if you have to, putting stuff in place so you can control yourself. I know people that they don't trust themselves at the computer. They know that porn, pornography is a problem in their lives. You know what they do? They've got safeguards. They've got, I've got a friend that, that, that's got safeguards on his computer, and it's got an email, it's got a text, it sends, it'll send me a text message if they get on the computer and goes to a pornography site. He downloaded software. He said, I want you to hold me accountable. And if you see, if you get a text message, I want you to come to the house and kick my door in. Because he wants to be held accountable. He knows that he needs that. He knows that if he knows, if he gets on that, he knows that don't please God, that I'm going to come. He don't want that humiliation, so he's not going to do it. But you've got to learn how to control yourself. And it's a progress. It's a progress. It's not, it's not all of a sudden you get saved. See, I, I, so many people have got the misconception that the moment you get saved, it's like you're one step away from your angel wings. You know, it, oh, hallelujah, I'm glory bound, I'm perfect. That isn't it. It's a struggle all the way to the end. But the thing is, is God saying, am I worth it? If I'm worth it, you're going to sacrifice yourself. You're going to sacrifice your desires, what you really want to pursue me. And it's the same thing in the area of sex. It don't matter what you want. Are you obeying God? We should learn to control ourselves. You know, one of the things that, that gets me is, I was thinking about this week, it was, it, was a, it was an awesome moment, but I was thinking, as I look across this crowd, I began to think last week, you know, in eight months, there's been 45 people decide to follow Jesus. 45 people. That's probably half of you guys. This has decided to follow Christ. We've had over 50-something baptisms, people that wanted to get their baptism right side of their salvation and those that have been saved. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's an extraordinary work of God. God is working here. But I just, so many people have, the, have that misconception that salvation is that, that's it. And that's just the starting point. Life is going to be tough sometimes, but it's about saying, God, I want you more than I want anything else. So if this is holding me back, there's a lot of you in this room that the moment you got saved, you were in sexual sin before and you were still in it now. You, and you, 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 when you got saved, you were found in that sin. And it's like, oh, what, what do I do right now? This has been my life. I've been, I've, been, I've been living with this person for so long or I've been dating this person for so long or I've had this homosexual relationship for so long but I know this don't please God, but what do I do? And it's, 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 a, it's simple. You read God's word and you do what it says. And I know that's hard because we allow our emotions to dictate how we do things. But the reality is, if we love God more than we love ourselves, we're going to obey him and say, God, I trust you in this. I trust you in this. I mean, it's amazing to see how God's been moving in people's lives, but God wants us to be authentic. Amen? God wants us to be real. Amen? Amen. We've got enough people to go to church that are fake. We've got enough people that claim to know Christ, but they don't do it. They're not living it. And if we are engaging in sexual sin, but painting the picture like we are Christian, we're giving the world a false pretense of what it means to be saved. Nothing shows what controls your life like sexual sin does. If you truly love Jesus, 
then you'll abstain. You'll abstain from it. That's why it says learn to control yourself. Be honest with you. You don't know what you don't know that you need to control it unless you've partaken of it. That's why God says sex outside of marriage is wrong. If you wait till you get married, man, that would fix 90% of the relationship problems we have. If you wait till you get married. So many people are, getting, are having sex outside of marriage, and you know what you do? You take that baggage in with you to your next, to your next relationship. Some people are comparing their, their relationship with the last person with the person they're with right now. And if you keep doing that time and time and time again, it just causes so much baggage that you're trying to figure out, is this feelings or is this desire? What is this? Sexual sin just, just kills us. And I know some of you are thinking, Jeremy, look, this is hard. This is hard stuff. But like I said, God said we should live as a, as a living sacrifice for God. Saying, God, when I, the moment I decided to follow Jesus, saying, Jer- when I went down in that water, that says down with the old me and up with the new. I- I'm down, I'm washing this sin away, God. God, I love you more than I love my past. I loved you more than anything I could get. I love you with my self-gratification. And when I come up, God, I'm, I'm going to start following you. That's what it was for me. Is that, was that what it meant for you? Because the way we respond to sex outside of marriage, the way we respond to premarital sex, the way we respond to, to when you found yourself in pornography or different things, it shows what has your heart. And if you'd rather do that than have Jesus, then you never really had Jesus. Most of us know that sex, out of marriage, sex outside of marriage is wrong in the eyes of God, but, but really our actions show that we could care less. I met a friend, I got a friend that was married, was, was, was living with, with, with his girlfriend and they were saved. And he said, uh, I said, man, I met with him and I said, look, brother, you know, I love you and I care about you. And, uh, and I was really worried because he's my hunting buddy. You know, and man, he's got some good hunting land. And, I, and I'm like, God, I can't talk to him because he know I ain't going to be able to go hunting. No more turkey hunting on that man's land ever again when I talked to him about this. We were hunting together, and he said, uh, he said, yeah, I got a new place. And I said, well, well, who's your roommate? And he changed the subject. I brought him back, and I said, hey, brother, who, what's going on? He said, look, I, I'm living with my girlfriend. I was like, okay. And I said, well, what, what's going on? He said, but we prayed about it. We prayed about it, and, you know, it's good. I said, well, you prayed about it, but did God answer? He was like, well, you know, I didn't really hear nothing. I said, so you just went on. He's like, yeah, but they say pray. They didn't say wait. We sat in my truck in, in Rocky Ford, Georgia. And I said, brother, I want to tell you something. Not because I'm a pastor, it's because I love you. Is that y'all may be living together. And you can say you're not having sex. But it shows, it, it states that it does. It's giving a false witness. I said, brother, I'm going to tell you something. I, I love you and I care about you, but if you care about Jesus, you can tell me what you want, but if you're engaging in sexual sin, it's wrong, and you need to do something. I told him I loved him, and he cared about him. I said, you know, if, if you want to move in with me and Sabrina, you can move in with me and Sabrina until y'all get married. He was like, we ain't even thought about getting married. I was like, well, you need to do that. If you th- 
We got, I prayed with him. I talked with him. I walked with him through it. We cried about it. I was mad because I didn't think he was going to do it. I was, just, I was just broken from my brother's sin. Two weeks rocked by, he shot me a picture message, and it was a picture of an engagement ring. And he said, I'm going to do it today. So he goes down, he gets on one knee, he told her he loved her, he wants to spend the rest of his life with her, and he said, you know what? And then he drops another bomb. She, he, it was an ingenious idea. She's all happy, excited, they're going to get married. And he said, but you know what? I love you too much for us to stay living together. So I'm moving out. She was like, what? She said, yeah, I'm moving out until we get married. And I hope you can understand. If you can't understand, then you're not the right one for me to be giving this ring to. My buddy moved out. My buddy struggles every single day. They get married next weekend. And I get to see my buddy that, is, that he loved Jesus more than he loved this girl. And he's, like, and he's pursuing this girl, but he's also pursuing God. And what he was saying with that, he was saying that with his life, but also with his actions of saying, God, I love you more than anything out here. And I say it often, guys, but our heart, our actions speak louder than our words. So we can say we love Jesus, but if we're not walking in repentance, if we're not following Christ, if we're not shedding light on that sin in our life and walking out of that sin, then do we really love him? Do we really love him? You know, verses 6 and 7 kind of speaks to me in, in the fact that saying, it says, Look, in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of his brother or sister, that the Lord will punish those who commit such sins. As we told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very one who gives the Holy Spirit. So, and it's not just sexual sin, but it's any sin. If we, if we choose to indulge in sin, knowing it's wrong, but doing it anyway, it's, we're, we're rejecting God. Y'all get that? This means yes, this means no. Some of you are doing this. I mean, that's what it means. If we're following God, then, then we're going we're gonna to do those things. We're going to shed that sin. We're going to be intentional about it. It cost us so many things, guys. These stories, see if you can find yourself in some of these. But I wanted to show you just real people and the real effects of it. I'm going to read about four of them and we'll, we'll close. But he says, look, this was, this was somebody just, just having a, the, the, a warped view of marriage. He says, look, I thought marriage would be my happily ever after. I've seen movies. I thought my husband would fulfill me and happiness and would bring happiness into my life. I put my hope into him and, and, help, and held him to the highest standards without batting an eye as to how this idolatry would derail my relationship with Jesus. Marriage was supposed to strengthen me, right? In my mind, this marriage was going to make me a better person and bring me happiness, so I thought, Idolatry of marriage led to a compromise of my virginity, which led to cohabitation, which led to an unusable foundation, I'm sorry, unstable foundation, 
of boundaries in my marriage. I was absolutely wrecked when I discovered my husband watching pornography. Everything I had built him up to be was shattered in a moment of exposure. My idol was revealed, and I finally realized that I had spent years placing my relationship with my husband ahead of my relationship with Jesus. So when we allow things in our life like that, we, we elevate it above our relationship with God and we idolize these things so it's more important. So what we're telling God is, God, I love my husband. I love this. I love that more than you. You see the, you see the correlation here. And when you do that, it's, there's catastrophic consequences. Premarital sex says, I'm someone who was raised to be to strongly believe that you should, you should save yourself to marriage. In spite of my parents' teachings, I found myself a 15-year-old girl who had chosen to have sex for the first time. The guilt and condemnation led me to try to justify this sin by then marrying this person, as crazy as that sounds. If I did this, I technically still only have had one sexual partner, and I could say I have only ever had sex with my husband. No one would ever know. This sex, this sin ultimately changed the trajectory of the next 20 years of my life. I also felt condemned and never experienced sex the way it truly was meant to be. Homosexuality. In college, there was a void inside of me that I tried to fill with an emotional friendship with another girl. When that friendship still left me empty, an emotional attachment proved not to be enough. So I decided I needed more. I began to seek fulfillment in a physical relationship with her, fortifying everything I believed about God's design for sexuality. This too left me empty, destroyed my friendship with this girl, my witness to her about Christ, and wrecked my ability to be attracted to a man. This has damaged me and has affected me even six and seven years later even now in my marriage and in my walk with God. Pornography. Pornography was a, cons a consistent part of my teenage and adult life. I tricked myself into thinking that it was done in secret so it wasn't hurting anybody. Little did I know it was destroying me and everything around me. It completely destroyed my view of sex and women, and it nearly cost me my marriage. I looked at women for what I could get from them, not how I could serve them. It made my sex life all about me, and it created distance from my wife instead of intimacy. It was until the Lord showed me that I was watching women creating his own image, destroying their bodies, and I saw gratification from it. I confessed my sin to people close to me in life, and I began to process, and, heal, and it began to heal me and showed me that I could live for him and fight sexual sin with the help of others and win. And the last one says, my story started in high school. Late nights on the computer, a pop-up with, with a pornographic image came up. It was my first encounter I had, and it, was, it would inevitably lead me down a road seeking something that I, was, that I would never find. I gave up my virginity at 15 to someone I didn't like, much less love, and I had sexual partners that I'm still not sure of their names. I was constantly seeking fulfillment and satisfaction only to find out it would always just be the opposite, empty and void. 
My life continued on this path until I met the person that would become my wife. At which point I thought I was doing the right thing, but times, but hard times in my marriage left new curiosities and brought up old habits. I soon sought intimacy with another woman and completely destroyed my marriage and my relationship with my wife. And I gave up the relationship with the single most important person in my life, my daughter. Even though we were past, we were past everything now, my relationship with my little girl will never be the same because there will always be home and then daddy's house. Life has never been the same. So as you listen to those stories, some of those may identify you. Some of those may identify your past. Some of those may identify where you are right now. But I want you to realize that it's a, it was always a progression. It didn't just one morning they wake up and they found themselves in an adulterous relationship. It started with one inappropriate text message. It started with the man that found himself in pornography. It started with just looking Oh, just one quick peek. This ain't going to hurt me. This ain't going to bother me. Guys, I want to tell you, it's the slow fade. It's the little compromises. And this thing you know, you're so far from God, that it's a, it, you, see, it don't, you don't even feel like you can get back. You know, when I read uh, this week, I was reading 1 Thessalonians and I also was in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 6. And Paul was telling the Corinthians about sexual immorality. And when he was in there, he, in verse 12, at the end of verse 12, he says, look. He said, but I will not be mastered by anything. He said, in verse 12, he says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but everything is, but not everything is beneficial. I also have the right to do anything. But I will not be mastered by anything. Guys, when we allow that secret place in our heart, when we, we allow that sin, that, that dark corner in our heart, to, to stay, that sin to stay there, and we allow it to stay there, it controls us. Our life is around that. How can I protect that? How can, how can I not get exposed? And, and it goes, for, you, you try to lie about who you are, you're lying to others about what you're doing. just cause a catastrophic effect. When we don't allow God to deal with the hidden places in our heart, it begins to control us. And Paul's saying we should not be mastered by anything but God. If we're following him, we should not be mastered by anything. And he tells them on, in verse 18 in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6, he says, look, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with the price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So he's saying, flee from it. Run from it. Get away from it. If you are truly a follower of Christ, you, you've made the decision to follow Jesus, you have no, no, no option but to run from these things. So why aren't you running? Why aren't you running? Why aren't we dealing with these things? 
And I know today a lot of you are going to leave this place and because of pride in your heart, you're still not going to deal with it. And you got to get to a place, people, to where you say, you know what? I don't care what Big Mouth Betty on the back row thinks. I don't care what anybody thinks in this building about me. All I care about is Jesus. Because let me tell you something. There ain't a soul in this building going to be standing beside you at the pearly gates. And when Jesus is going to say either, well, good, my good and faithful servant, well done, my good and faithful servant, he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. So don't allow somebody else, and somebody in this building, the way people think about you, keep you from pursuing God the way you should. Don't, don't allow that to happen. You need to just get that out of your life right now. If God's calling you to get for repentance, God's calling you to say, and that's me. I'm walking in sin. I, I've been living in this sin, and I need bondage from it. If that's you today, my Lord, please, please repent. Please come to this altar. If you need prayer for that, come to this corner and we'll pray for you. In reality, if you have never really met Jesus, you're not fighting the sin. You're just letting it run rampant. You're letting it consume your life. Because God's word says that if we truly know Christ, then we will flee from it. We will run from it. Because, why? Because our bodies are now not our own bodies. It's the body of Christ. We're the temple of God. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And where the, where the Spirit of God is, impurities can't be. Amen? And God can use a broken vessel. We're all broken. We're all damaged. We're all jacked up. Even me, all of us are. But he won't use a dirty one. And he's called us all to be cleansed. So if you're struggling with sexual sin, if it's lust, if it's pornography, if it's adultery. If you've, if you've been saved and now you found yourself, all right, what do I need to do to get out of this? What can we do as a couple to make sure our couple is, is right in the eyes of God? What, what do we need to do, God? I'm telling you, people in this place love you and want to see you not just put on a mask. They want to see you truly follow Christ. It only happens if we're really sincere. What I love about Corinthians 6 is that verse 11, he says, and this is what some of you were. Praise God. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. He said, y'all pick that up. He says, and this is what you were. Not still are. Not still in. Not still one foot in, one foot out. What you were. This is what you were. But. But. Am I the only one excited about this? But you were washed, he says. You were washed. You were sanctified, praise God. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Let me tell you something. That should excite you this morning because Jesus, because of him, I don't have to walk in that sin anymore. I don't have to be bound by that anymore. I don't have to pretend that I'm okay anymore. I can just surrender those things. I can say, God, I am not okay. I'm jacked up. There's hidden stuff in my heart. And God, I want to serve you. I want to praise you. I want to live for you because you're worthy. Amen? We've got to give him that. If he's anything to you, then you will shed that sin in your life. 
you won't live in it anymore. And I know this is hard stuff. I know this is tough stuff because our culture is saying it don't matter. Just live the way you want to. But God's word says, if you love me, you will obey me. And when the roll is called up yonder, if you ain't obeying God, then you won't be there. And it's just as simple as that. It gives me confidence. You know, I love the way God does things. To me, is I was back there this morning, and I was like, God, I just, I love to have stories. And I was like, God, I don't have no stories this morning. And uh, I get a text message from a friend of mine that, God, he was struggling so bad a couple years ago. He shot me a text message. He said, brother, I was looking through my messages, and, and I just seen where you reached out to me. I was thinking about committing suicide. Nobody knew that. And you reached out to me and said, hey, brother, I love you. Call me. He was marred up in all kind of stuff. He was caught up in sexual sin. He was lonely. He couldn't find the right woman. He thought nobody cared about him. His parents had died. He was just in a wreck. He called me, and we talked on the phone, and I told him I loved him. I told him that nobody cared about him. Jesus did, and I did, and we talked through that stuff, and I walked with him through some of the darkest stuff of his life. And he sent me a text message this morning, and he said, Jeremy, I just want to tell you thank you. I just want to tell you thank you for loving me enough to walk with me through this stuff. He said, because I want to tell you that today, this past week, I just finished my first semester of college at seminary and I'm going to be a pastor. But it would have never started if I hadn't had started shunning sin in my life. I would never be where I am right now if I hadn't put Jesus first. For so long I've seen my friend like a dog chasing his tail. He'd be good and then he'd be bad. He'd be following God, and then he'd be away from God. And then when he wasn't following God, he'd say, woe is me. What's going on? God's abandoned me, and God never abandoned him. He just walked away. There's a lot of you in this room right now. You feel so distant from God. God never left. You've left God. And the reason is, is there's sin in your heart. There's things in your heart that does not please God, and if we're not trying to please God, then we're not going to feel his presence. So today, each and every morning in this room got a conscious decision to make. Am I going to leave here just knowing that I'm not pleasing God? Or am I going to swallow my pride and I'm going to get right? I'm going to just confess. I'm going to give it to him because I want to be used. Do you want to be used? Do you want God? There's so many of us that feel hollow inside. We feel empty inside. We feel like that that God can never use anybody that's jacked up as I am. If we could just sit down and me tell you what God's done in my life, you wouldn't feel so jacked up anymore. If, if I guarantee you, every Christian in here that's truly following Him could tell you what God's done in their life, it would make you feel okay. Now I can let it down. Now I can go. Now I can release this stuff.
I come up here every week, and, and this week I was reading Second uh, Corinthians, and it just spoke to me. Paul was telling the Corinthian church, he said, look, I speak freely to you with my heart wide open. He's telling the Corinthian church, I'm speaking to you with my heart wide open. I'm just pouring out my heart to you, Corinthians, and I just want you to obey God. I don't want you to follow me. I want you to obey God. That's what he was telling them. When I read that this week, I was like, God, that's me this morning. I want you to obey God. I want us as a church, people look at Connection Middle and say, those people love Jesus. I want them to look at your life at work and say, you know what? That teacher right there, she loves Jesus Christ. Because it flows into those kids because of how much she loves Christ. I want people to see you and see God in you. But it don't happen if we're playing games. It don't happen. So will you please open your heart this morning? Will you please let God in? Will you please allow that, that light that's been shining in on that sexual sin in your life that you're struggling with, that you've been struggling with, will you just release it today? And I'll tell you, I'm going to be the first one to the altar. If you need prayer, come. If you need deliverance from sin that you, that you ain't too strong to fight, come and let us pray with you. We, there's people who want to walk with you through, the, through this stuff. You're not in this by yourself. But you've got to take that step. You've got to want to. Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you right now, Lord. Lord, Lord, I know only you are the, are the one that can set the captives free. God, every story that's told in the Bible, God, when you delivered your people, Lord, when, when you delivered your people out of Egypt, you opened up the Red Sea, but they had to have the courage to walk through it, God. God, I pray that we would have the courage to walk the aisle this morning and do business with you, Lord. I pray, God, we would have the faith that when we take that step, we'll step on dry ground, Lord, and we won't be in sinking sand anymore, Lord. I pray, God, that, that Lord, as I'm thinking about different things, Lord, is when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Lord, when they were in the fiery furnace, God, they were in the, the fight of their life, but when they came out, God, because they had faith in you, they were not, they didn't smell that smoke. And, God, there's many of us today that we feel like we're in the furnace, Lord. We feel like we're, our lives are in shambles, God. I pray, Lord, that, that, that God, if people in this room feel that way, God, then they would just come to you, Lord, so you could remove any sin of smoke. God, move in our lives. God, change us. Lord, as I was reminded, Lord, how just our sin just affects us. We put on that faith to fool everybody, but we don't fool you. And if our life is truly about you, Lord, then God, we're only fooling ourselves if we're not dealing with it. So God, I confess now that Lord, that I have never, I've not been aggressive as I should have been in my life. to get rid of sin that I know that don't please you. But Lord, I know that I wasn't aggressive because I had the wrong view of you. I didn't realize how big you are. I didn't realize how awesome you are, God. But Lord, now I know. And God, I just pray that you would give 
you enlighten all of us, Lord, how awesome you are, how big you are. And because of that, how you demand our faithfulness. It's not a if I want to, it's that I get to. And that we want to please you, Lord. Help us, Lord, not be telling we we love you with our lips and our hearts are far from you. Help us, Lord, not be adulterous in the way we live. But, Lord, our actions show that we love you just as much as our hearts do and our mouths do. Help us be authentic, God. Please, God, help us be your people. In Jesus' name, amen.